At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Man, like yeah, hello. I changed welcome. it up. No, I don't. Yeah, now I miss hello and welcome. This You guys are so hard to please, I tell you. It's Alex that's I, hard to please. Guys, I, I go with this. anything. Like, why is this now a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're it's just... A, yeah, that's fair. We're assuming, we're assuming there might be some first-time listeners... And so we're just making sure they know right off the bat, if this is your first introduction to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, Alex, is, he's a miserable guy. He's just a very unhappy person. I am a miserable person. <laughs> I am quite happy, honestly, <laughs> with my life and my surrounding things. I just don't like, yeah. Podcasting. <laughs> Alex, Alex is a very happy guy. The problem is his happiness comes from others suffering. <laughs> mild degree of truth in that oh what a what a day what a day well welcome guys happy thursday um alex and i just got back from not just a couple days ago got back from a uh, little on-track action at old texas motor I speedway got back which was like 15 hours sooner than james because i book my own travel and do it correctly. So I'm not going to argue. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that you did miss the debrief uh, because you got out of the car, changed on the way to the rental car, and then got dropped off at the airport. Please tell uh, me, James, but, what know. did I miss? Cars, oh no, you missed, cars, you missed cars, nothing. Follow. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be the same race. Second lane is Four impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. So it sounds like the test was I mean, great. The test was good. The test was good. <laughs> I think the test, uh, uh, James, I mean, would you agree that in terms of, you know, I think Texas last year was not a great race for Andretti Autosport. I think we, we all kind of took some correct some steps forward, and I think we're, we're all generally happier than we were last year, which is good. Um, yes. But no, and- I mean, the, the whole situation that really is, this isn't IndyCar's fault. It's, I wouldn't even say it's Texas's fault. It's just a really unfortunate sequence of events that happened when they redid right. the profile of turn one. And then as a result of that, NASCAR needed to, to put down this um, substance in lane two to try and give a lane two. And that said substance, A, never comes off, and B, actually decreases the track grip when it's not fresh. So like all of those factors on top of with the spec arrow kit cars having less downforce you just have a one lane racetrack yeah it's it's a weird situation so in in 2017 they repaved the track maybe it was late 2016 whatever it was and uh for our 2017 race and there's there's two kind of two big things that happened there first they as alex said they reprofiled turn one two so it kind of used to just be you know mirror image from one side of the track to the other 
and they reprofiled one and two to be a little lower banking, a little wider radius, uh, wider actual track. They went from, I think, from 60 to 80 feet. But when you pave a new bit of road, it normally shows up with tons of grip. And tons of grip often leads to pack racing for us and uh, and even for the stock cars. And stock car guys like it when the tires fall off and the racing's a little better that way. So they actually... I don't know, scrubbed lie onto the track or somehow like they lied wash. the racetrack like an acid wash. Yes, exactly. And it made the surface incredibly slippery. <laughs> and we kind of had the benefit of the NASCAR guys having a race about two or three weeks before we ran there. So they got the worst of it and sort of broke in the racetrack for us. And that first race at Texas after the after the reprofile uh, in 2017, Alex, you and I were watching a clip of it the other day. It still ended up being a pretty good race. Um, it was definitely on the edge of a pack race just because of the the added grip. And by the time the second lane came in, but it was exciting and it was fun and um, a lot of incidents. But that's that's sometimes what happens at Texas. And then yeah, like like you said, the the traction compound goes up and it just stains the racetrack and just lowers the physical grip level uh, once the NASCAR guys run on it and kind of tear up the actual sticky part of the compound and just leave this sort of stained bit behind with a bunch of residue on it that makes it impossible for us to run on. And so we're, yeah, it's just these unforeseen circumstances where we're now sort of stuck to the bottom of the racetrack without having a ton of tire degradation or anything like that, without having draggy cars that draft up on each other a ton. So there's there's some things that any car has tried and is constantly trying to make it better, but it is a challenge at the moment. I'm not going to yeah, lie. I mean, it, it, it sucks, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, Texas used to be, you know, one of the best oval races on the calendar, right? In terms of the show, in terms of, of, of what people got to see, you know, a nighttime super speedway race, like, that's something to behold. And it, it's kind of fallen from that a little bit the past couple of years. And it's, um, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. I mean, it's, it's tough for us as drivers, because at the end of the day, you know, when, when we're out there and you, you get a run on someone out of kind of turn two and you use the, the draft and, and turns three and four is still pretty much flat. Um, when you're behind the car, so you're still getting the slipstream effect and, and you've got the run and like, you're going to pass the guy, but all they do is just stick to the bottom through the trioval, And then there's no lane two for you to really do anything. And so then you back off and you lose eight car lengths, six car lengths. And then it takes a whole nother two laps just to repeat the same process over and over again. Like there's literally, there's nowhere for you to go. Um, unless they make a mistake in traffic out of kind of turn two and you can kind of get by into three but even then it's it's quite difficult so it's a it's a real real bitch i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> that is actually a pretty solid way of putting it that is uh that is definitely the feeling you get in the car uh well that's, but, yeah, uh, that's really fascinating to hear because i mean I've, I've heard all year people talk about the compound on the track and how it's it's hard for any cars but just hearing a breakdown from your guys perspective makes that a lot well, I was clearer. talking to someone in NASCAR. Yeah. They're kind of starting to experience a, a similar effect. And TMS is not super pumped on them redoing the compound with all the effort that they're doing to try and get rid of it. So they're actually suggesting like um, sanding or, or doing something to lane one to make it even less grip so that lane two looks more attractive. Oh, good. So there'll be no yeah. lanes. 
<laughs> if you make lane one, <laughs> we're we're lane, up a lot on the wall. lane two potentially is better. I like that idea of equality. Well, we can't make them both better, so let's make one <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> that's kind of like how that's like how civilization works, though, right? Like you yeah. kind of have to kind of have to bend to the to the lowest common denominator there. Like we can't make this guy any what smarter. A, <laughs> Let's just make everyone else stupider. <laughs> oh, what a terrible, what a terrible plan. Well, now James and I do have a theory, and yes. you'll know. You'll well, this, know, this is your no, podcast. No, Let's hear it. it because if competitors are listening, but let me just say it's a competitive you advantage. No, if you tried it. it. <laughs> yes. It'll either be it, awesome it be. or we will both be yeah. in a lot of trouble. Yes. <laughs> it will be very apparent that Operation Alex and James has been engaged with 20 laps to go. And, and we are uh, we are working on our little shake and bake program I say, here. I would say call it Operation Off Track, I mean, but that's a bad idea. I definitely <laughs> don't want to do that, but that might be the result. proposition at this point. <laughs> well now i got a good reason to watch texas yeah you do it's gonna be great ah the genesis 300 on saturday night here we go um and then this week uh so this is it's thursday as far as you guys are concerned which or means, saturday if you're listening on sirius uh or Sa- that's a very good point sorry um still on sirius well we're on track at the indianapolis motor speedway we might be. I, I haven't checked lately yeah <laughs> We have the open test at the Speedway coming up, so uh, a lot of the cars. Do you know what the actual car count's going to be? It's going to be 36. The alleged 36. Oh, so that that's the number we're aiming for this year? We're that targeting? Like, that is the number from what I've... Confirmed? Uh, well, wow. no, but kind of the all but confirms, you know? Like the 6th right. Andretti yeah, car, yeah. whoever that's going to be. And right, right, right. Sort of thing, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Am I, mean, I still in contention for that? You are. You are. All right. So, but the funny thing about it is uh, between Andretti Autosport and then our connection uh, technical alliance with Meyer Shank Racing, like we've got eight cars. We've we've got like almost a third of the field. <laughs> we've got a significant <laughs> amount of the... I really hope we all make the show, guys. That's that's what I'm just going to throw that out there now. Uh, I've been on the losing end of that one. It's not fun. But the more cars you add, I'm not going to lie, the higher the odds go up that one of them has a bad day. It's just well, that's just statistics. Speaking of of May, uh, we have a guest today and, and she'll be making her return in May. Yes, we're very excited to uh, to speak to our special guest, Miss Lindy Thaxton of uh, TV fame, of radio fame, of PA fame. And uh, she has had quite a year. You thought 2020 was rough for you. Uh and I'm not saying it wasn't, but she's got a hell of a story that uh, we're very excited that she's going to share with us a little bit later. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. All right. By a little bit later, I mean right now. <laughs> well, guys, as we talked about earlier, we are now joined by our very special guest on uh, today's episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, Miss Lindy Thaxton, who was very kind to uh, agree to join us uh, today and, and chat a little bit. Lindy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here talking to you guys. You know, I know what my favorite part about this is going to be? What? Is um, she can now give me one word answers. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
is awesome. I was so. thinking on the other end of that. I was like, are you guys going to pay me back for approaching you at the worst times possible and needing an interview? No, it, no. I mean, luckily you had to agree to a certain time. So you still sort of controlled that one. <laughs> and and honestly, any time is the worst time possible to talk to Alex Rossi. That is true. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not wrong. It's hard to get him to agree to do his own show sometimes. So it's, you can, yeah. you can imagine. Yeah, it's hard to talk, sometimes it's hard to talk to myself. Like I just want to set to leave myself. Uh, Lindy, I'm, I'm really excited for you to see everything that uh, you shouldn't do professionally with us. Right. This is, this is going to be a great opportunity to have a professional see how bad we are at this. Right. Actually, I just started my podcast. I've only done three. You guys are the pros at that. Prazo, that's a very relative term. Uh, let's, yeah. let's not throw pros around too willy-nilly. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's... It's been a while since you've had well, – are you interviewing people on your podcast or what's your podcast about? Tell us a bit about uh, that. Well, so far I'm basically just trying to answer. I've gotten so many questions you know, over the course of going through this cancer diagnosis and treatment, and it's a lot of the same questions. And also it was pretty scary getting diagnosed because I was 39, no risk factors, no family history. It came out of nowhere. I've done the genetics testing. Nothing weird came back, and, you know, it's – I would wonder what happened. And so I'm trying to answer a lot of those questions in it and just keep them short, easy to listen to. So the first one, I kind of covered my symptoms. The second one, I went over what the day of a colonoscopy is like. Um, the third one, I went over what our plan for treatment was. And the next one will be basically that plan completely derailed after 15 days of chemo and radiation. And I had to have emergency surgery for a bowel blockage and I was in the hospital for a month and lost three weeks of my memory completely. That's just wild. So before we get too far down the road with with that, um, so so for those listeners, so Lindy, Lindy, you'll know her from either the IndyCar um, kind of broadcast. You'll know her from the PA at IMS. You'll know her as an MC um, for the Pacers. But she was her whole world was kind of rocked. Uh, what was it? A, a year ago? A year and a half yeah. ago? Yeah. Yeah. The symptoms with, started last January when it became really noticeable. So with it, with a diagnosis, with a diagnosis that um, obviously it altered your life, um, and and now you're kind of on the other side of it, thankfully um, through through God's grace, and and now you're you're able to kind of tell that story. But you mentioned the the kind of steps that you had to go through. So like, start from the beginning. Like why why did you end up? having to go to the doctor for, uh, for, for something in the first place? Like what, what, what started it all? Well, I was having just severe pains in my lower abdomen to the point I'd have to call into work and severe tailbone pressure. But also I didn't realize how fatigued I was. Sorry about that. Yeah, I get up at 2.30 in the morning, was emceeing Pacers games till maybe 11 at night had a four-year-old at the time, you know, I'm chasing around. And we were actually on vacation. It was last February, we were down in St. Augustine and went to Disney for a couple of days. And my husband, Chris said something like, you're way too tired than you should be for your schedule. And that really ticked me off, to be honest, because <laughs> I get up early, like, you know, of course I'm tired. And for all of us, we're busy and you don't realize when you're too tired, more tired than you should be. And in fact, looking back, he said that to me the day John Andretti passed away. And he was the first person I knew with colon cancer. 
And so we got home and I went to my doctor and I got a CT scan March 16th and that showed signs of inflammation. So they thought based on my age, well, it has to be colitis. It's not cancer, yeah. you know, but they wanted me to get a colonoscopy to make sure that got pushed back three times because of COVID. So we finally found a surgeon who would take me in. And so that was May 6th. So I got the colonoscopy and I woke up from the anesthesia and I heard the surgeon say biopsy and the nurse covered my ears and said, she's awake. And they stopped. Oh, wow. So I knew something was up, you know. Of and all so then when the to get cancer, it had to be during COVID. Exactly. You know? And to that point, I was in there alone. You know, my husband couldn't come in. Right. So he comes to pick me up and they're pushing me out in the wheelchair. And I heard the nurse say the word tumor to him. So I turned to her and said, I have a tumor. And she said, yeah. And I said, do I have cancer? And she pretty much said, yes. So what I mean, what's what's that moment like when it when I mean, everybody kind of talks about this and you see it in movies and TV shows. But as an actual human being hearing a doctor say to you straight face, yeah, no, it's it's cancer. Like what what effect did that have on you? you're in shock completely and there's a huge weight on your shoulders like am i gonna die how long do i have you know you think you're gonna die right away you know it was really hard for me to come home and look at my son like am i gonna see his next birthday mother's day was like the next weekend that was like the worst weekend for me because you also don't know for a couple weeks what stage you are and you're like am i stage four i'm done so that's it's a couple weeks before you knew that yeah, because you have to get every scan imaginable. You know, I mean, it was from that point on, it was full time cancer. I didn't go back to work for two weeks. One, because you're in such shock. And I, you know, it was just overwhelming fear and um, all these scans. And we started going down to Brown County hiking to try and, like, you know, get the mind clear. And Two weeks later, we were driving down there when I got the call that it had only spread to my lymph nodes, thank God, so I was stage three. If it had spread to any organs, it would have been stage four. Yeah. So we decided at that point, I would do- Really far along, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's the last stage before it's, you know, that could be it. And like like how, how long is the window? I mean, I guess it's, no one ever knows, right? But like- how close are you potentially from being in stage four at that point? It's Is hard it to weeks, say because months? they don't know how fast growing it was. Like we don't know right. how long I had it, but they knew it wasn't yeah. too fast because we didn't have to do surgery right away. Right. Got you me. know, yeah. what they decided to do was I would do radiation for six weeks every day and chemo pills morning and night every day for six weeks. And that was eight pills a day. I was on four nausea medications, still trying to do the morning show. They had given me an office so I wasn't getting germs from people because your white blood cell counts, nothing, you know. Right. And COVID's going around. But I left work one day at the morning show and was like, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. And the next thing I remember, I'm in the hospital bathroom looking at myself and I look like I'm nine months pregnant again. And that's the last memory I have. And then I was hospitalized for 24 days, had an emergency surgery for a bowel blockage and was never able to resume treatment. And I left the hospital and I'd lost 40 pounds. That is unreal. And that's the part that you can't remember? Yeah. Losing your memory? mm -hmm. I didn't even, I didn't know my husband, my son, any family, my, I didn't know my doctors. And in fact, I was going through like our bills a couple months ago. And I asked Chris, we have two bills from a neurologist. He's like, yeah, you went twice. You know, I mean, I don't wow. think I was 
one time I texted him, Merry Christmas, don't forget a side dish. I mean, just (laughs) (laughs) weird stuff. I would take all my equipment apart, like my whole IV. I'd just take it apart in the hospital. Um, Just, it was weird. What what did they attribute the the memory loss to? Because I I I don't think I've ever heard of that symptom or that happening before to anybody that I know who's been through something similar. I think a lot of it was malnutrition because I was having such digestion issues and just it was very painful. I mean, you know, I think it was just a mix of a lot of that. Um, and it, so it's, so has your memory like come back in no. pieces or is that still that's just that's gone it's gone and all of a sudden that's wild i was just laying in the hospital bed and it was like i just woke up and i'm like hey you know like what am i doing here and and another thing i had done is i had entered the pe- wrong passcode into my phone so many times i literally wiped it clean they couldn't recover anything i i lost everybody's contacts like all my phone fo- everything I, you know, so little things like that are happening along the way while it's also the most painful physical and emotional thing you've ever gone through, you know? So I came home and I had to get um, surgery to get a chest port inserted because I had to go on IV nutrition 18 hours a day at home for months to gain, I've, I've gained maybe 15 pounds of that back, um, to get myself strong enough to go through surgery, to get rid of the tumor. So we did that August 24th. They took the tumor out uh, of 41 lymph nodes and 8.2 inches of colon. And then I was in so much pain that whole day and they found out I had an internal bleed. So I had to go back into surgery that night. Oh my God. And then I was in the hospital for maybe nine days. Oh man. Um, (laughs) Was on a catheter for 17 days at home. Yeah, that's not fun. Recovery was, yeah, you probably understand that. and then they decided I would need cleanup chemo because that would up my chances of no recurrence from 60 to 80%. So I needed to do 12 rounds of chemo um, and that goes through my port. So I would sit there for like four hours, get an infusion, then wear a pump at home for 46 hours and chemo just kills you. You know, I mean, it's just, sure. um, but I, he told me he would consider it malpractice to not give it to me because it upped my chances of no recurrence so much and I want to live and I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, at six months, we took a one month break because it got so difficult. In fact, he said, we think you need to get out of town. And Chris and I went down to South Beach for a few days and, and I needed it desperately. And he said he didn't think I'd be able to finish if we didn't do that. So I've now gone every two weeks. I just did round 10 last week and my PET scan came back cancer free. And I think actually we're probably done at 10 instead of 12. I'll find out for sure next Monday. So that's exciting to think now I can finally just not get knocked back down again, you know, and just yeah, never. for sure. So this sequence of events, I mean, it, so you were diagnosed in May, we're almost to May. So, so we're, we're talking about a year. So how much of all of these external things that happened, did it delay like where you're at now? I mean, it must've been six months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Because so this I've is had doubled in time because of the the, the, the other factors, I guess. Wow. That's side effects, white blood wild. cell count being too low. I mean, it, yeah. it can be anything, you know, and, um, it's just been unreal still. It's still shocking that I've had to go through it. I feel survivor's guilt that I made it and others don't, you know, why do some make it and some don't, I don't know. So well, now surely, surely your age had to play a huge role in that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, 
being, yeah. being as young as you are still, right? Yeah. So you, you know, God willing, uh, 10 of the 12 weeks of the recovery chemo is, is done and that's all you're going to need. So what now? What's, what are the steps you have to go to kind of get yourself back to where you want to be from a strength standpoint? And has this, does this change your, do you have to change your lifestyle? Do you have to change your diet? Do you have to change anything about how you just sort of get around day to day to get yourself back to just kind of living a normal life? Well, that's where I'm at right now is, you know, I've done nothing for the past year, but fight this. And then all of a sudden you're done with that and you go, well, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for myself now? Um, I've been doing acupuncture that helps a lot. Meditation, obviously therapy, um, nutritionist. I'm going to go to this. It's called Karuna Precision. It's this new post-cancer treatment wellness center in Indy that I'm going to, you know, lymphatic massage because it was in my lymph nodes. I've gone plant-based. I don't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. The whole goal is to keep my inflammation low all the time. You know, I want, I thought I was living pretty pretty healthy and pretty clean. You know, I, I can't look at other people and go, well, they drink soft drinks every day. Why didn't they get it? I didn't drink soft drinks, you know, and, and all this stuff. And there's no answer to that. You don't know why anybody gets anything. Yeah. There's no formula for it, right? Yeah. It's just one of those things. Yeah. But I feel like I have to take action and I want to, and I need to just keep things as stress-free as possible. And I don't want it to come back in, in three years. So, well, well, yeah, of course. And, and fingers crossed um, that you never have to experience that again, because um, that sounds, I'm, I'm like sweating thinking about it. So <laughs> it's, scary um, it's, it's, it's horrifying. Scary. Yeah. So it, it, we've seen kind of on your social media and stuff, the, the kind of huge outpouring of, of support that's come um, either from, from Fox or from the racing community or, or just people who have heard and everything. And, and that's been really, really cool and special to, to kind of see is, did that su- surprise you or yes. like it did? Very much so. Why? You know, in, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but for me, I hear from viewers and stuff when they don't like you and when they're mad at you. And, you know, I don't want to say you don't hear from a lot of normal people, but you get what I'm saying. And since <laughs> this has happened, it is unbelievable and it's really been the racing community that that has stepped up not that the fox family hasn't they've been you know insane as well but i mean you know for instance a crew guy on andretti well i guess he's on carpenter now just out of the blue one day got a 200 dollars gift card from him um you know e- even you two have both replied to an insta story in the past year and said hey everybody's thinking of you, you know, you don't know what that one sentence does for somebody who's fighting for their life. Um, Becky and Ryan have been obviously very understanding His mom passed of cancer. Uh, Marco and Jarrett, you know, I hear from them, um, just random flowers that come to go from IMS, the things like that, that really lift you up. But also what's been unbelievable is the Indy family foundation and USAC benevolent fund have helped us pay our like mortgage and stuff. They've helped us pay our bills. And those are the racing organizations that if people don't know that help people when you've been, when a family member has been killed or is sick or injured from a racing accident, you know, and um, it, it's very expensive when you get cancer, you know, and that's been a yeah. lifesaver. And, you know, um, Katie Hargett and her husband, Taylor, they've mowed our grass. Um, just from the littlest things to the biggest things, the racing community has done and, 
and the messages from the fans. I mean, you guys know how that goes. You want to answer everybody. It's overwhelming, but you read everyone and you appreciate every single one. For sure. For sure. Is there, is there one comment or one piece of advice or something like that, that kind of stood out to you that was impactful in the moment? Well, I'm sure that, there were many, but yeah, that came from you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good job, James. Well, oh. um, go me. Eat it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess today's James's day. <laughs> it's really hard to tell people you have cancer, and that was surprising to me. It's it's devastating to to tell someone that. So there were some people I wanted to tell you know before it came out in the newspaper, and you know, James, you were one of those, and you said. Um, you have to keep your mind right. I mean, you basically said you have to keep your mind right or you're not going to be able to do it. And you were the first person to ever say that. And it's a daily battle, but you have to do it. And that was a big part of what, what got me through all of that. Yeah, no, I, I remember that. I remember that chat and it's, it's true. I mean, it was the biggest lesson I learned in, in 2015 was how powerful the mind is and how big an effect it has on the healing of the body. And, uh, I'm, that's, that's actually, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm, it makes me very happy to know that that was, you know, something that, that kind of helped you through all this. Cause I can't even imagine, you know, this again, Alex, I'll, I'll kind of copy what Alex says. I mean, I've been through certain things, but just hearing your story, it makes me feel like I got a paper cut, you know, it's. <laughs> oh, please. No, you got more than a paper cut. Well, no, he got a big paper cut with a piece of metal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a, a metal cut. A metal cut. It got pinch kebabbed. Yeah. 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 Whatever, James. You know what? Here's a random story. Back in like, uh, it was probably 2009, they sent the TV announcers to driving school at Skip Barber and James was my instructor. So you didn't learn how to drive at all. I got most of it. You need to go back to driving school. Yeah, you know, he did hit that wall. Yeah. And, I mean, it was a mechanical failure. Should have turned. Not to turn left. Yeah. Should have kept turning. Should have kept turning. Um, so, so Lindy, let's let's move on just a little bit away from um, kind of the this. The, it's, it's honestly, it's a very encouraging story and it's one that we're very grateful for you sharing. Good, um, thank you. And, and ultimately we're, we're thrilled to, to hear that you're seemingly on the other side of it and, and you'll know a lot more on Monday. Um, but let's transition a little bit to the racing side of, of your career and, and something that you're obviously hoping to come back to very soon. What, um, how did that come to be? Did you want to be uh, involved in motorsports? Did you want to be a, a, a morning news host? Like what was your ideal job kind of when you were growing up and in school? Yeah. Motorsports announcing had not really occurred to me. Um, I was a 500 princess in 2001. I think that was Elliot's first win. I lost out that year. <laughs> I lost out on the 500 princess that year. I'm still, still devastated. A little bitter about it. A little bitter about it. Yeah. But I was doing TV news and anchoring morning shows and I got an email from a guy who produced ALMS radio in like 2007, 2008. And so I did ALMS radio on the weekends while I was anchoring in Jacksonville, Florida. And then that's when IndyCar switched to Versus in 2009. So they hired a new TV announcing team. So I got in on that. And I had interviewed, you know, a lot of the IndyCar guys because they would do the endurance racing with ALMS. Uh, so then I did that till probably like 2013 and then I got on IMSPA and have done that ever since and been anchoring the morning show at Fox 59. Um, but when I was doing IndyCar, it was pit reporting and hosting the pre-race show. Um, it was a good time. 
What's it like um, living your life from like three o'clock in the morning to two in the afternoon? It sounds awful. I just want to throw it out there. It sounds just, just terrible. That sounds like, yeah, hell on the, earth. The good thing is I'm, I can leave work between seven and 10 a.m. Yeah, but, but you I woke up at 2.45. Yeah, <laughs> which means you probably had to go to bed at like 6 p.m. and just, I, yeah. Yeah. And that's something I got to think about when I go back to work is how am I going to structure my life? Because, you know, it's very important that I'm active every day, you know, and taking For care sure. of myself and getting enough sleep. And, and how am I going to structure that when I go back? And a lot of that, yeah, I mean, you have to eat right and take care of yourself because your body can't get used to that sleep schedule no matter what. No, it's, it's just you unnatural. Never, you never get used to it. Mm-mm. No, but there's no your house has the best blackout morning show personality. I'm laid back. Like, you know, I'm more of a morning show than an evening show person. I feel like. Okay. I don't, I don't know what the difference is. (laughs) No, no, there's, there's, there's there's an an, on my show and not go according to the script evening. You like sit there and read it. Is that right? Cause, cause no one's awake yet. <laughs> We're waking them up. Yeah. So <laughs> you can say something wrong and they're not actually sure if they heard it wrong. Yeah. Cause they're still kind of like, asleep, you know? What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've said a few things. Uh, you know what? Think about it. Nurses, doctors, there's a lot of people who work odd shifts who, who watch that 4am, you know? Yeah. I, I had a, I had a neighbor across the way in my courtyard of my apartment who was an anchor for spectrum news from like two to 4am. And it was worrying to me how, how similar hours we kept. <laughs> <laughs> totally different reasons, but yes. Yeah, yeah we, exactly. we hung out a lot more than we should have. <laughs> That's for another time. So, yeah. Lindy, what's, uh, what's something you're looking forward to doing or getting back to that you haven't been able to for the last year? Honestly, working. Yeah. I know that sounds weird because everybody wants to not work. And when you can't work... You want to. Yeah, but you want to not work because you like won the lottery or something. Exactly. Not went through what you've been through. Yeah. Or because you're Tim. And you know what? I want to feel good. I mean, you know, I feel better now, but I still feel like if this were a normal year, I'd call in sick. But for me, it's a good day. Right. You know, I want to feel good several days in a row. And I know that's coming. Yeah. You, you, sort, of, you sort of recalibrate what feels good means. Right. And exactly. what what what's enough to get you down? You know, mm-hmm. it's your tolerance for pain, your tolerance for not feeling awesome, but still getting through what you have to do is definitely shifted very far in one direction. I had a tolerance for pain that I had no idea I had. <laughs> it's one but of those things. Yeah. Until, yeah, until you're put in that position, you're, there's no reason to know that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, when are we going to see you at a racetrack? Are we going to see you at a racetrack? What's the plan there? I'm hoping to be back doing PA on the day of the 500. That's the goal. Oh. That would be amazing. That would be, that that would be, be the uh, Indy 500 uh, returning. Return to work. It'd be, it'd be <laughs> Indy 500 returning to normal in many ways. We're back in May, back with fans, and back with <laughs> Lindy Thaxton on the PA. So that would be tremendous. No, Just sounds right. Just sounds right. I love special moments with you guys there. And now I feel like I'm going to have one of my own. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, hey, Lindy, um, I just I, I wanted to say this earlier. And I just want to I say it. And, and we've talked about this before. The the willingness that you had to share your story over the last year and and especially now knowing that you have a podcast. Tell us, first of all, what the podcast is called and where, where people can listen to it. Oh, it's called Life with Lindy. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or all that, or just go to lindyfaxton.com and you can find it. I set it up myself, so be kind. I did the best I could. If they listen here, their their bar yeah. is pretty low. You're, you're, yeah. already doing, you're already doing better than us from a production quality standpoint. Um, 
But uh, yeah, no, just your willingness to share your story and share your journey, I think is so, it's so incredible. You've got to be so strong to do that. It's going to help so many people. We saw this with Robbie Wickens when, when he got hurt and the level of insight he gave to people through his recovery and the messages he would get and still gets daily from people saying how much of an inspiration that he was. I know that you're about to be inundated with all the same stuff if you haven't already from what you shared. So thank you on behalf of everybody for being as brave as you were to share that. And before we let you go, we have to ask one last question that we ask everyone on the show. What's and it's um because I've listened and I don't know what this is. It's a little convoluted because James was your driver coach. <laughs> had 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 I been your driver coach, it probably would be a different number. Um, but what's the fastest you've ever driven? Driven. Yeah. And are we counting you Skip Barber? Or are we talking about like no, on? No, on we're talking public? like on the road. Honestly, yeah. those cars probably would go slower than most nice road cars today. So. <laughs> Not even nice road cars. Dude. Yeah, just just, cars. just legal. <laughs> just car. I, Pass I the transportation test. Street car. What? What was it? I've definitely driven one ten in a street car over okay. my life. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Maybe We've even had higher than that, but I've ridden a lot faster because I've had a lot of two seater rides. Fortunately. Ah, there you <laughs> go. go. No, um, that is that is. 40 miles an hour faster than three-time Daytona 24-hour winner, Ricky Taylor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you got him big. But like yeah. 70 miles per hour slower than the hot dog guy. So <laughs> <laughs> The interstate should cruise at 85, I feel like. I think that's I fair. Completely. I think that's yeah. fair. Allegedly. Um, as James said, thank you so much, Lindy. We appreciate you, and we um, – love to 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 hear your story to watch your story and we cannot wait to see you back at the track hopefully um here in a couple of weeks thank you so much guys for having me so i mean that that puts a lot of things in perspective obviously uh, guys big time um, big time here this might going back to the beginning of the show where you all think i'm miserable i just have a question okay and i'm just if, if you're gonna have something like this happen to you do you is it kind of good that it happened in COVID and everything was kind of messed up anyway. It's I mean, aside great... from let's take out the medical, take out okay, the medical okay. situation for her husband yeah. not being able to be there in the hospital right. because of okay. quarantine and stuff. But like yes. the rest of the world, everything kind of got shut down anyways. So you might not feel like you're missing as much question mark. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> so I see you're saying, and like, like you say, if you're taking out all the inconveniences that COVID would have had on the medical side of things, I would say it's a double-edged sword, right? Because yes, it's a, it's a great year to not really be able to or feel like going out anywhere because you couldn't anyway for the most part. But then there's also like when you're going through that kind of treatment, your immune system is massively compromised and there is this very bad disease floating around the world. So... It's you know uh, it's a yeah. tough. Yeah. Nah. Basically, you just don't want it ever. You just yeah, you just really hope it it's it's not a thing that happens. Yeah, but yeah, and then add in all the 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 added stress that everybody had in twenty twenty. It's not like that went away. For well, exactly her, right. right? She so still she has had that a young yeah. a young son is schooling and and you know it's so yeah. There's uh, there's a whole lot that goes into it, but it's it's something unfortunately that affects many many people and. I don't think there's anybody that's listening to this right now that hasn't been touched by cancer in, in one way or another. There are a lot of organizations and charities that uh, you guys can donate to or support. 
Uh, you know, she mentioned some of them with the Indy Family Foundation here and, and the uh, the USAC Benevolence Fund. Obviously, Ryan Hunter Ray uh, and Becky Hunter Ray have their charity, Racing for Cancer. So just throwing it out there. If you're feeling touched by the story and, and you want to help, there are definitely a lot of ways to do it. All right. And on that note, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. Uh, Alex and I are going to go hit the racetrack, and we will chat to you in a couple of days. Can't wait. Yay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I always got to ruin it. thanks so much for listening to off track with hinch and rossi keep in contact with us on twitter and instagram our handle is at ask off track or you can follow us individually we're at hinchtown and at alexander rossi if you want to follow them though we have no idea why you would he's at the tim durham we really need to get that changed to add producer them The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Finn. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.